Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, October 20th, which means this episode is a football conversation that will feature gambling trends, line movement, and ultimately culminate in a discussion around the upcoming Week 7 DFS slate and the best value options for each position. Before we get to the good stuff, I mentioned on the Tuesday pod, I would be joined by a special guest, and I want to quickly introduce the beautiful face on the other side of the Zoom screen from me, Willie Yormack. Willie, thank you for coming on the pod. How are you doing today? What's up, my guy? I am doing unbelievable. Thank you so much for having me. I am very pumped to uh, discuss this football. Let's get it going. Willie, I want to quickly set the stage for how you got here today. I think it was like two, two and a half weeks ago, I think, your brother Brian one of my lifetime best friends, got married, and safe to say, married someone way out of his league. I mean, way I think we can league. both agree, Carly is both way better looking and spend five <laughs> minutes with either of them way cooler. First off, are we in agreement that he kicked, out-kicked his coverage on this marriage? We are, we are in 100% agreement. All right, 100%. glad we are on the same page. Of Anyways, course. Willie, since I could not attend the wedding, Brian and I were on the phone just a few days after, so I could say congratulations. I could ask how it went. I could hear about the honeymoon plans. Truth be told, if I could just ask him if I could just Venmo him his gift, because I know his ass is not reading any card that I write him. And amongst (laughs) that conversation, he asked about me. I asked about you, Willie. And we realized that I host a sports gambling podcast, and you are knee-deep in the football weeds yourself and love this stuff too. So me and you started texting. And I could sense you had a sharp mind for these kind of conversations. And I thought, we need to get his ass on the podcast, which brings you here today. Willie, did I set the stage appropriately? Is there anything you want to add or should we just get right into the football stuff? Let's get right into it. I think it was perfect. All right, let's move on. Shout out Paula, top five mom of all time. Let's talk some football. (laughs) Tonight, Willie, I always start the Thursday podcast with a discussion about the Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. And tonight we have Cardinals home against the visiting Saints. And I am on this line. You can react to my best bet for tonight. I am on Cardinals minus two. This line opened at Cardinals minus one and a half. It has since been bet up with sharp money to Cardinals minus two and a half. I tweeted out Cardinals minus two a few days ago. Um, Like I said, clear sharp action on this side. They are the home team in a short week, and we know the difference in football gambling between a one and a half point spread and a two and a half point spread does not cross any key numbers. So for that reason, I like taking the Cardinals, riding with the Sharps, and I still even like it at the minus two and a half if that's what you're jumping into now. Thoughts on that bet? Are you terrified of me riding Kyler Murray with how bad he's looked? No, I I mean, yes, actually I am terrified. Let's make that brutally honest. With that being said, I do think with Marshawn Lattimore being out, Michael Thomas being out, Jarvis Landry being out, D-Hop coming back not from injury but from suspension, Kyler Murray should definitely be able to rely heavily on D-Hop. I think Rondell Rondell Moore will cover the front spaces and D-Hop will be able to um, be open on the outside. And for me, this is like a desperation win for Cliff Kingsbury. And since Arizona is home... I'm going to ride with you, and um, this is the absolute last time I will be taking Arizona. So let, let's hope Kyler figures it out here. It's a backs-against-the-wall game, I agree, for Cliff. It's so funny that he got extended right before the season started, and now I think we both are in agreement. He's already on the hot seat, just like five yes. games into a brand-new contract. Um, but yeah, and, and you mentioned the injuries, Willie. Like People keep talking about the Hollywood Brown injury and that he's out for the season. The Saints on the other side of the ball are dealing with even worse injuries to their weapons. Um, I also I just want to mention this game. The line opened at 44 and a half. It's been bet down to 43 and a half. So there is some action towards the under. Some books even opened this line at 46, which I think is a bit crazy. But this line is sitting at 43.5 now. It is sharp towards the under. I do not have any play on a total. I do not have any props going. Willie, do you have any bets for this game? Are you just yeah, on the Yeah, I mean, 
I don't have any bets other than on Arizona. What I will say is that the Saints in Arizona, I don't like either of their offenses at all. If you've watched any Thursday night football games, you would know that the unders have been covering um, heavily. And so for me, I am anticipating a pretty poor offensive showing on both sides, especially with both having tons of injuries. And for me, I, I believe the under has a potential here, um, but I'm not going to take uh, the under here. Yeah, and sitting at 43 and a half, Willie, we know with NFL spreads for key numbers, if we are going to go with a low scoring game in the 40s, 40 is a key number, 41 is a key number, and 44 is a key number. So getting 43 and a half, you're getting most of the right key numbers since you have two key numbers on your side in 40 and 41, and you have only one of the low 40 key numbers on the other side. So I do agree that if you are going to play the total, the way to go is the under. Uh, let's talk about the return of Hopkins. Uh, I saw his total and his, I think his yards prop was like 62 and a half. Was that correct? That is correct. Any leans on the Hopkins prop? I think there's going to be a lot of market action on it. So I'm personally avoiding it, but I love the idea of Kyler getting like his ultimate guy back. And I just want to point out, Willie, he's, he's coming off a suspension in which he was popped for like using a cream that is potentially performance enhancing. It's not like Hopkins is coming off of an injury of a, you know, surgery that he had in the off season off of a pulled hamstring or something. This guy is good to go and he's been healthy the whole time. A hundred percent. What I would say here is that I think the public is probably going to be on the over receiving yards there. So as for that reason, I am going to fade that as well. What I will say though, is that Cliff Kingsbury is out of options, right? Marquise Brown is down. Hollywood Brown is out, and they need to rely on somebody. Rondell Moore is good, but that is not the person they they can rely on the most. They need to figure something out, and that person needs to be DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday. If Arizona wants any chance at winning, I would say that they need to hammer Diop. With that being said, he hasn't played in six weeks, so I'm not sure if he's going to be playing 100% of the snaps. Um, but when he is on the field, they do need to 100% take advantage of that. So no play on the Hopkins over. I don't think either of us are going to be playing the under because we think he's going to get the full complement of snaps and potentially get the volume. We just don't want to take it for what may be a public play. Willie, did you, you sent me a AJ Green prop and a look there. Talk to me about AJ Green and how it might the Hopkins return might impact him on the other side. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm going to go with the A.J. Green under 22.5 yards. A.J. Green does not have a game with more than 20 yards this season. At 34 years old, the former star is not what he used to be at all. Green ranks outside the top 80 yards per route, per outrun, and target separation. The Cardinals' Robbie Anderson is not expected to play much after just getting traded this week. But with Hopkins returning from his suspension, we should expect more of the same from Green tonight, even with Hollywood Brown out of the lineup. Rondell Moore should also see a decent amount of work as well. For me, A.J. Green is just old and he's outdated and it's time to move on from him and I'm going to ride his under because I think D-Hop and Rondell Moore, uh, Eno Benjamin, if James Conner plays, will see most of the work and um, that's where I stand with that. I'm in complete agreement. I don't know if I'm going to tail and play it with you just because of the correlated values of playing the Cardinals team to win and then a specific player's under, right? You don't want to be rooting for the team to win, but AJ Green to not hit his yards. But I do really like both of their lines on their merits alone. And like with Hopkins, like I said, he's not coming back from from an injury. This guy is going to play 99% of the snaps that Murray is throwing the ball. And he's probably going to get a target share of around 30%. There's probably not that much left over for a 34-year-old AJ Green at this point, Willie. I think it's just, yeah, like... He is like and Marshall Lattimore is out too with for D Hop. So like, uh, yeah. There you go. Even feed him even more, Willie. I can't believe it's freaking 2022, and we're going into a uh, Thursday football where we have the ability to still bet against both Andy Dalton and AJ Green. Like I was doing that in 2015 <laughs> when they were on the Bengals, and I'm still doing it in 2022. <laughs> I love that. Um, Let's move on and discuss some of the Sunday games, Willie. I want to what I, how I want to handle this section is I want to just go through every single line on the board. I want to I'll talk about where the line has moved, where the trend of, of the money are, 
And I want you to stop me if you think that's a game that you want to talk about or that you have a bet on or anything like that. Otherwise, let's just roll right through. Sound good? Perfect. Yeah, perfect. All right. We have the Lions plus seven versus the Cowboys. This The total opened at 47 and a half. It's been bet up to 48 and a half. We have the return of Dak Prescott as he is fully healthy. Uh, we have the return of DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. So that's why we are seeing money towards the over. A lot of these skill position players are back. The line itself, Lions plus seven, has not moved at all. Uh, let's move on. Colts are playing against the Titans. The Colts are a plus 2.5 against the Titans. Uh, that line also has not moved. We've seen the total go from 42 to 42 and a half. So slight over money in the Colts-Titans game as well. Keep going? Keep going. All right. I mean, I, I will say I do have some questions about Dallas and Detroit. Oh, let's go. Stop me. What do you What do you got? Okay, yeah, so I'll stop you. Okay, so for Dallas and Detroit, right, like, so I don't think people realize, like, DeAndre Swift and St. Brown have been out, right? Those are their two best players on offense. Like, that's who they rely on. Yes, Dak is coming back, so the question is, like, the Cowboys' defense is awesome. Will Jared Goff be able to get... Will he be able to get off any throws? I'm not really sure. But what I will say is I actually like Jared Goff this year. I like Dan Campbell. I think what they're doing is actually really good. They did get destroyed to New England. Bill Belichick has that. He, he does that to multiple Bill different Belichick teams. Bill Belichick knows how to stop Jared Goff from scoring a single point, whether it's on the Lions or in the Rams with the Super Bowl. He will stop that. Right. It, it, it does not matter. I completely agree. So my thing is like with Detroit, right? It's like I actually think Detroit's kind of good. Like I, I think people are like Dallas is easily going to win this game. And like, listen, like it's definitely possible Dallas's defense is unbelievable. But St. Brown and DeAndre Swift are no joke. It's different than Jamal Williams and DJ Shark. So for me – I think this is going to be actually a pretty good game. And, yeah, I just wanted to stop you and talk about this. Do you like factors. the idea of taking the plus seven? Let me quickly look at the splits on that and where that line opened up, Willie, because I kind of agree that I don't think that line is going to move to seven. Yeah, it opened at seven and it stayed at seven. I'm going to quickly check where the money is. We are seeing 58% of the bets on Dallas, 56% of the money on Dallas. So people who are betting bigger bucks are betting on the Lions' side. So I do not think this line is going to move to 7.5. There's a much better chance that this line moves to 6.5. And, and obviously, 7 is a major key number for betting football. So the idea of jumping on the plus 7, which is I think is where you're getting at right now, Willie, not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm in agreement. All right, let's keep going. I'm going to go back to that uh, Giants-Jaguars game. The Giants are plus 3 versus the Jaguars in Jacksonville. This line opened at 42.5 for the total. We've seen it go down to 41.5, so there's clear under money. The line has stayed flat at the plus three. Willie, this is definitely one that I want to discuss. You want to hear my take first, or you want to give me yours? I'll give you, I'll give you my take really quickly first. For, for me, it. this is a best bet for me. Um, with that being said, the line is definitely fishy as well. A 2-4 team being favored against a 5-1 team, Wow. For me, though, I believe this week the Jaguars, who have a good run defense, find a way to slow Saquon down and put pressure on Daniel Jones to make the right throws. If that's the case, do we trust Daniel Jones? Do we trust the Giants' core receivers? I'm not so sure about that. Also say the Giants have played the Titans, beating them by one. The Panthers, who who they ended up beating by three, but in the fourth quarter, like the Panthers had two 50-plus yard or the, sorry, the Giants have two 50-plus yard field goals to come back in that game. They lost to Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. If you watched Cooper Rush play against the Eagles, you would know he's nothing special. They beat the Bears at home by eight and beat the Packers at home being down by 10 in the fourth. To me, you know, like the Giants have just been very lucky. And I think that their luck is going to come to an end here. Um, Daniel Jones has thrown no interceptions, but I do think that he's thrown a lot of balls that are interception worthy. And... I think that this this is the time Jacksonville takes over and, and brings the Giants back down to earth. Okay. I love that take. And this gives me a few thoughts that I want to spitball to you, Willie. First off, I want to point out that 76% of the money right now is on the Giants. 80% of the bets, 76% of the money. That is a huge amount of money on the Giants plus three. You mentioned it. The Giants are... Four and two going against a one and five team. 
So why is this not Giants minus three? This line is what I like to call, this line stinks because it is so fishy that it smells like rotting fish. And for that reason, you always play the side that you would think not to play. So I think the Jags minus three are the play. However, because we see 76% of the money on the Giants side, the books are really, really, really probably not going to move this to three and a half, there's a much bigger chance that this goes to two and a half, right? That the books are going to say, okay, by Sunday, we want to get some Jacksonville money on our books to even out the, the distribution a bit. We're having a big exposure risk on the Giants plus three. They've clearly been on a roll. They have like this like day ball magic working for them. So let's move this line to minus two and a half to bring in some Jaguars money. As people who are backing the Jaguars like me and you are, the right thing to do right now is wait 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 and see if we get a two and a half because we know where the money is and we know this line is not moving to three and a half now i'll never say not happening because there is a slight chance that this line does move to three and a half and if that if that happens willie it's this thing called reverse line movement and if the line moves in the opposite direction of where the money is that is a clear indicator that the books are taking a position against the public and in that case, even more reason to back the Jaguars, even if I get the minus three and a half and I get a worse number, I'm still willing to do it because at that point, I have such confidence that the books are making the public, like they're playing a position against the public and I want to be on the side that the books are on. So that is how I'm reading this situation and I'm waiting on the Jags, but I will be betting on the Jaguars this weekend. How do you think about that like gambling theory logic that I just spit at you? I think that was honestly perfect. Every time I listen to you, I learn something new. So <laughs> ready for this one? I'm, I'm very we're, gonna much go with one you. we're gonna go one step further, Willie. We have the Titans playing against the Colts and the Titans favored. Right? I think the Titans are favored. Let me double check. Yeah, minus two and a half. Yes, the Titans minus two and a half at home. Now the Colts are in the lead for that. Or I think the Colts are three and two, the Titans are three and two, and the uh, Jaguars are one and five. Is there any world in which, say, maybe the Jaguars get a win and we automatically know one team above them in the division is getting a loss? So is now the time to enter the futures market on the Jaguars and bet some divisional money on them? We know. We'll talk about the Texans Raiders in a bit. I think we're both in agreement that Houston might get a loss this week too. So if Houston's getting a loss, if the Colts or Titans are guaranteed to get a loss and the idea that the Jaguars get a win, I think now is the time to sprinkle some money on some divisional Jaguars futures. A hundred percent. And let's not forget three weeks ago, the Jaguars played the Eagles and we're putting up points against them in horrible weather conditions. The game ended 29, 21. It was a good game. And then for Texans versus Jaguars, yes, they ended up losing, but Jaguars actually ended up statistically outperforming them by a good amount. And in the Colts last week, it was a devastating loss, right? I mean, they've been putting in some good games. And for the Jaguars at home, I think what you're saying is actually pretty valid. If you're going to invest in the future, I think Jacksonville is, is a good time to invest in them. Uh, let's continue and move on throughout the board, Willie. I think that wraps us up for Giants Jags conversation. The next game I'm seeing is Browns plus 6.5 at the Ravens. Uh, this total opened at 46 and a half. We are seeing under money come in and a small amount of Ravens money come in. The line has not changed. It has not gone to a Browns plus seven, but it has gone like we're, we're seeing the juice change in the odds. It's now a minus 115 instead of a minus 110. So we're seeing small amount of Ravens money and definitely some under money on that game. Any discussion or bets for that one? I'm not going to take any bets here. What I will say is that Cleveland needs to keep this game scripted on their behalf. They need to be running the ball, and they can't rely on Jacoby Brissett. As you saw last game against New England where they got pummeled, they were working outside of their game script. They were down, and they relied on Jacoby Brissett, and they got slaughtered. Obviously, it's Patriots and Bill Belichick, but I think any coach would like for Cleveland to have to rely on their quarterback as opposed to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who are two dynamic players. I also want to talk about really quickly, Baltimore is getting Rashad Bateman back this week. That's a big deal for Lamar. I mean, like, since Rashad Bateman's been out, I'm pretty sure they've lost every game 
Um, and I'm pretty sure they've been 0-3 since Rashad Bateman's been out. But regardless, with Duvernay, he's just not he's not a, a number one wide receiver. So, you know, and they're double teaming Mark Andrews. This will give Mark Andrews more space. It'll it'll give Duvernay more space against a second best cornerback. And I think having Rashad Bateman back is a very big deal for Lamar Jackson. It is a potential get-right spot divisional game for the Ravens. However, I agree with you. Browns need to run the ball, control the clock. That's why we're seeing under money come in on this game. That is why on the Tuesday episode, when I discussed guys like Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews as the DFS spend up guys, I said avoid them because they simply might not be on the field for enough time to generate the points that's worth paying for. Uh, I also have no bets on that game at all. Let's move on. Falcons are plus six and a half. On FanDuel, they're plus six at a lot of other books versus the Bengals. This line has gone from 45.5 to 47.5, so clear over money. One of the biggest line movements we've seen all week in the total. Uh, So Falcons money on the spread, over money coming in. I have a bet on both of them, Willie. I am on Falcons plus 5.5, and and I got that 45.5 in the total, so I'm loving my total bet. The Falcons are 6-0 against the spread. This season, they are a run-heavy team that actually just moves the ball consistently well. I call them the Frisky Falcons because <laughs> they mess with teams. Like, they, they give teams headaches. And on the other side of the ball, right now the Falcons are dealing with, like, some injuries and in bunches to their secondary. So I expect Jamar Chase to, like, kind of open up the field and get all over the place. I really 100%. like the over in this game. I really like the over. I really like Falcons plus six and a half. And... I don't mind playing the over at 47 and a half because, again, if we know NFL totals, 44 is a key number and the next number is 48. So moving from 45 and a half to 47 and a half does not move through many key numbers. Thoughts on those? You in agreement? You riding with me? I, I, I definitely like what you have to say. I'm actually going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to take the opposite side here. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals. Last week was amazing. Joe Burrow back, Jamar Chase just crushing it. T. Higgins is finally getting back to his normal self, getting healthy. For me, Cincinnati's one of those teams when they're hot, you ride the hot wave. Like, I think Cincinnati has a ton of potential to be a powerhouse team. And I think that against the Falcons, you need to go up against them early, right? Because the Falcons like to run. So if Cincinnati goes up early, and Cincinnati also has an underrated defense as well, but... If Cincinnati goes up early and the Falcons end up running the ball, I mean, they're not going to be able to to run the ball, right? They're going to have to rely on Mariota. And I I don't know how much I trust Marcus Mariota in this case. I think that Jamar and T. Higgins do a very solid job this game. And I actually really like Cincinnati to beat Atlanta by a decent amount this week. Okay, so let let me talk on that point for one second. If you do like Cincinnati, Willie... Because we are seeing Falcons money come in, I feel the same way about the Giants-Jaguars spread. The right thing to do is either jump on one of the minus sixes that's at like DraftKings or Caesars or PointsBet. Obviously, don't take the six and a half on FanDuel. Get the better number at a different book. Right. But also, remember that since Falcons money's coming in, this line might move to five and a half. So you might even want to just still wait. If you are a Cincinnati backer, no, I'm going to play Cincinnati, but I'm going to do it Sunday at 12.55 before the game kicks off. Because right, because I don't want to take minus six and a half for sure, like you're saying. Like, I'd rather the not take that. of this is if you have a six and a half line, Willie, and you like that team, this is a great, great teaser leg. So let's put that in the back of our mind. If we're going to move this from a six and a half down to a minus half a point, and cross through the six, the four, and the three, three key numbers, that is a plus EV leg. That has plus expected value. It has a a boost to your implied probability. Let's keep that one on the back burner and maybe look for another teaser leg to pair with the Bengals taking down to minus 0.5. The next one on the board, Packers minus five and a half. I think it's even at four and a half in some spots against the Commanders. We are seeing Commanders money come in. this line also opened at 41 and a half, and we are seeing under money come in. Nobody is trusting these Green Bay Packers. You got an <laughs> up close, up close personal look at it last week as a Jets fan taking them down in Lambeau. Um, I personally have no bets on this game. Uh, I really I can't fade Aaron Rodgers against the Commanders in a get right spot, but I also have no reason to trust the Packers at all. Do you feel we need to talk it about this? Not have, it could not have been said. Any better. I mean, Washington right. against Chicago was brutal, but 
Like, so I'm just not going to touch Washington at all. And then Green Bay, I mean, I watched the Jets game, watched the Giants game. I'm, I'm not going to back them either, so I'm with you. Okay. Bucks are minus 10 and a half against the Panthers. This line opened at 10. We're seeing Bucks money come in and get right spot for Tom Brady. Hopefully he will not be attending a wedding on Friday night and missing Saturday walkthrough and meeting the team at the game on Sunday. Hopefully he'll be practicing with his boys and getting a dub. This total opened at 41. It's now down to 40 and a half. So half a point of movement in both the spread and the total. We're seeing under money and Tampa money. My first thought on this is Willie is probably not going to touch it, especially now that it's up to 10 and a half. I would think it's a potential teaser spot. And I think it's a great spot to potentially play into for DFS. There's these moments every season as someone who's watched Tom Brady for 20 years dominate the NFL. I know that that guy has an anger issue. And when he's angry, <laughs> he likes to stick it to the fucking man. So, I, if you've seen him on the sidelines, you would know he's definitely got some, some personal things to work through right now and <laughs> with his offensive line. And he's, I, I see this spot as like a 37 to, to, to 8 win for the, for the Bucks. Like I see an absolute thrashing get right spot coming. I don't really want to bet the 10 or 10 and a half. I would, like, but I'm not going to tease this down. I think it's a, you know, potentially just lay the points in a get right spot. But my play is, like, avoid a bet on this, but play into it for DFS. Thoughts? I definitely agree with you on, on everything you said. The only thing I'm going to add is, listen, if, if, if I am Tom Brady's offensive lineman, I better be taking advantage of playing the Carolina Panthers this week. That is the only thing I'm going to say, but I'm not going to take a bet on this game. And you better get a beautiful Rolex from your quarterback at the end of the season. All right. Exactly. Uh, the next one on the board, Texans plus seven versus the Raiders. Uh, this line has moved from 44 and a half to 45 and a half. We are seeing over money come in. Uh, the Texans are slightly juiced, but the line has not changed. Texans versus Raiders. You have a best bet for this one? I do indeed. Give it to me. Okay. So the best bet is Raiders minus seven. For me, Houston has no idea how to defend against the run. As of right now, they're ranked 30th in rushing yards allowed per game. Since week one, they faced Jonathan Taylor, who rushed for 161 yards. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon giving up a total of 122 yards. Khalil Herbert right, who pounded Javante. them for 157 yards. They then had their best defensive run game, holding the Chargers at 86 rushing yards, which is nothing to brag about. And lastly, <laughs> played the Jaguars, letting up a total of 98 yards. Josh Jacobs over the last two weeks has rushed for 298 yards. The Raiders are home. They're coming off a bye week, playing in a must-win game as they are desperate to crawl back into the AFC West race. I believe the Raiders will handily will handily beat um, will handily beat them and that Josh Jacobs will run and free up space for Derek Carr to throw. I'm a big believer in the Raiders this week. I'm going to tell that with you, Willie. I'm going to play that as well. I'm going to tweet that out after we end the podcast that that's an official play for me this week i think that has that's a really smart bet we're seeing this line move from 44 and a half to 45 and a half so we're seeing over money come in and so when you're going towards the over and you have like a big point spread like seven there's correlated values between taking like if the game is projected to have a lot of scoring there's a greater chance and likelihood that the Raiders can get enough points to outscore the Texans by seven. So there's correlated values in that. So if you can read the market and say, okay, the point spread hasn't moved, but the total has moved to the over. So instead of taking a worse line on the total, the right thing to do is take the favorite on the point spread, which hasn't moved because of the correlated values. I also think potential get right spot. I think Derek Carr is a potential, you know, valued DFS quarterback we could talk about in a little bit. I definitely like Raiders minus seven. Finally, they're coming off the bye. If you've listened to this podcast, you know rest advantage is the one thing that I value most in the NFL this season. You have a team coming off a bye at home in a game sharp towards the over. Really like Raiders minus seven. Willie, I am riding with you on that one. Next Let's one go, we need baby. to talk about Jets Broncos. Your Jets versus the Broncos. This line opened Jets plus three and a half. We are seeing major Jets money come into the market. The Jets are now a plus one at pretty much every book. This line opened at 42 and a half, down to 39 and a half. 
everyone is getting off Russell Wilson's arm, his shoulder, his back. I mean, I guess we're all on his back, but they are not betting and backing Russ at all. Uh, thoughts on this Jets-Broncos game. Is there still any value to bet it, or has the value been sucked out of the market since we missed the three and a half? I personally think the value has been sucked out of the market. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to go on with this game. Zach Wilson hasn't really been that good. He had 14 passing um, attempts last game. The Jets are heavily relying on their defense and the run. Brees Hall and Michael Carter have been awesome. What I will say that is an advantage for the Jets here is that Denver is very good at defending the pass. Good thing for the Jets, they don't pass much. Um, they are not as good at defending the run. And Michael Carter and Brees Hall actually could end up having really good days here. Um, I'm not going to take this game because Denver is at home. I think there's a world where they suffocate Zach Wilson, and um, that's where I stand with this game. I agree, Willie. I think the only potential play on this, again, the, the total at 39.5, you're hoping for a 38, and if you get the 40, 41, you're screwed. Uh, the Jets being taken to a plus one and you missed the plus three, the plus three and a half, it's obviously lost so much value. The only thing I could potentially see doing is taking this as a second teaser leg and getting the Jets up back to the plus seven. If you could take them at plus one or plus one and a half where they are now, and you can get that up to plus seven or plus seven and a half, that has, you know, you're following the sharps in the market, you're crossing key numbers, that inherently has some value. I don't know if I'm going to be doing it, but it's just a, it's just something I wanted to point out. The next game to discuss is Seahawks plus seven. That's where it opened. I think it's now down to plus six. So we're seeing Seahawks money come in against the Chargers. The total opened at 52. It's 51 and a half. So we're seeing Seahawks money come in and under money come in on this game. Potential shootout. Uh, definitely something that we're going to talk about for the DFS space of playing into this game. I have no bets. on. Oh, I have the under 52 and a half. I jumped on that early, but I have no bets on the side. I think... Uh, Chargers are just, you know, a few big plays away from riding the ship and starting to blow people out. And I think the Seahawks are just, you know, maybe playing a bit above their heads right now. You know, they're playing way over expectation. Geno Smith is absolutely incredible this season. So I'm not going to back the Seahawks, even though the Sharps are there. I'm just going to stay off the point spread and keep myself on the under 52 and a half, simply because I got that key number of 52 and a half right when it came out. At 51 and a half, you're just missing 52, which is a key number, but we know 51 is also a key number. So that's kind of now sitting in that no man's land where if you had conviction on the line, I would still play the under. Any thoughts on that game, Willie? Yeah, I would say I completely agree with you. I actually am seeing Seattle plus five right now. Um, wow. But, yeah, which is crazy. Um, but with that being said, what I will say is Keenan Allen is, I think, coming back this week. And I think that actually no. is a pretty... Oh, he's not coming back. Yeah, I actually just read right before we started recording that he said, if it's best for me to wait through the bye, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And well then. the bye is next week. So he might sit one more week. And for that reason, we also know Josh Palmer in concussion protocols. We will discuss the name of DeAndre Carter for DFS dart throws in a few minutes. Okay, um, I'm with you then. Three more games to hit. Chiefs minus three versus the 49ers. Uh, we're seeing 49er money come in. It's at two and a half right now. We are seeing over money come in. It's gone from 47 to 48 and a half. I got in on the under at 47 and a half, which is inherently a, a bet that's lost value since then. I would not recommend taking the under in this game. Uh, Chiefs minus three versus the 49ers. Any bets that you want to give out? This is a tough one for me, right? Because San Fran lost to the Falcons last week and they're played with a bunch of injuries. So it's like... Can San Fran really stop the Chiefs? I don't know. I, I love San Fran, so it feels weird for me, and I'm not going to take a bet on this game. But I'd be, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts just because, you know, losing to the Falcons, is, that's not good. But the Chiefs look really good. So I think it's a stay away, and I think the only thing that you would consider doing if you like the 49ers is I don't love the line, but I would consider looking to them in a futures market because if they do win – then they're going to be back and respected in the futures market. Just coming off a loss to the Falcons, they're like seventh in the NFC in their odds to make the Super Bowl. That's probably undervalued. And if they beat the Chiefs, suddenly they'll be third or fourth. So if you want to take a little dart throw that won't necessarily, the ticket won't lose if they lose this weekend, but the ticket might gain so much value if they do win. That's the way that I would play that. Uh, Steelers, yeah. 
plus seven against the Dolphins. Um, I don't think that line has changed at all. I think it's still at seven. I think we know Tua is officially coming back. Knock on wood for his health. I'm terrified for that man. Uh, the line has gone from 44, 45 and a half down to 44 and a half under money come in. I have no play on this one at all. And then Monday night football is the uh, Patriots minus seven and a half versus the Bears. Bill Belichick going to rip Justin Fields' heart and soul out of his body. The uh, total is 39 and a half. We have seen no movement in these lines, uh, but there is big money on New England. But I don't think they're going to continue to move the line because of the exposure for the sports book. So do you like taking the Pats at a big spread at seven and a half? Do you like playing the over under at all? Or are you just staying off that Monday night football game? I mean, I just think Bill Belichick is going to destroy Justin Fields. Um, my thing is, I, I'm not really exactly sure how it works. Can, do you think teasing New England down, would that be appropriate in this situation or mind. no? You read my mind. Yeah. If you want to go, if you want to tease New England down, I think that's the second leg that we're looking for. If you liked Willie's Bengals bringing that down from a six and a half to a six, you can also bring the Patriots down from a one from a seven and a half to a one and a half. You're crossing all the key numbers. You're essentially getting money line plays on both of those teams, and you get it at a minus one fifteen odds for a two leg six point teaser. The best way to do it would be to do something just like that. I'm an ingredient. All right, Will. Quickly, just review the bets that you have for this weekend uh, so that we can give them out, and then I will give mine. Okay, so best bets, Raiders minus 7 against Houston. Jaguars minus 3 against the Giants. I am going to take Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott over rushing yards, which is 50.5, and I'm going to take A.J. Green's under 22-point yards um, in the air. Love it. I'm on the Chiefs 49ers under 47 and a half. Don't love that anymore. Seahawks Chargers under 52 and a half. Packers Commanders under 42 and a half. Falcons Bengals over 45. Raiders Texans under 44. Falcons plus six and a half. Lions plus seven. Cardinals minus two. And Raiders minus seven. I will make sure all of those are tweeted out. And Willie, let's segue this discussion over to the Week 7 DFS slate. Now that we kind of know where these totals are moving, where these lines are going, that gives us so much information to work for the DFS slate, right? Like if we know that this Bengals-Falcons game is being sharp towards the over and the line has moved significantly there, then we want to target a guy like Jamar Chase as a spend-up. So now that we've given out that information, let's talk about value options. Uh, I've already discussed the quarterbacks through Dak Prescott, so I'm going to start with Tom Brady and work my way down the list. Stop me when you feel we need to talk about one of these players. Tom Brady against Carolina. We've talked about this. Uh, Bucks favored by 10, 10 and a half. Potential get right spot where angry Tom is going to demolish the Carolina Panthers. You have potential stack options in Mike Evans, uh, Cade Otten at a cheap tight end. I really like going with Tom Brady. Of course, if I am playing Leonard Fournette, who's a frequent play of mine, I would not play the combination of a quarterback and its running back, even though Lenny catches a lot of balls. Derek Carr, 5,900, potential get-right spot against the Texans, potential stack option with um, DeAndre Hopkins. Jared Goff, we talked about that one. Goff has been steady Eddie for the budget quarterbacks this week, this this year. He is throwing with super high volume, and his skill players around him are really, really good. He has Swift coming back this week. He has Amon Ra healthy again like that. Geno Smith, 5,600. In a game that has the highest point total on the board, you have to consider, and the Sharps being on the Seahawks, you have to consider Geno if that's the way you want to go. And then I'm scrolling down the list. I don't really see many. I think this week is a week to potentially consider a budget quarterback because Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are both off the slate. The name I'm looking the most at is Joe. I mean, is Justin Herbert. Um, other than that, it's Brady, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, or Geno. Any comment on those? Who would you pick from that list? Yeah, I think for me, um, I like Tom Brady um, here. Just because, like we mentioned, Tom Brady is pissed off. And it is time for him to, uh, you know, get back right. And I think Carolina is the perfect team for him to do that against. 
Carolina's really bad. I think Chris Godwin is a really good play. Mike Evans, I, I, I think Tampa rolls here, and I think Tom Brady's the move. All right. Let's move on. I, I, I do really like that because you could you could stack with Godwin. You could stack with Kate Otten. You could stack with Mike Evans. If they actually score 35 points and you have Tom Brady in your lineup, you're cashing this week. So Tom Brady's a great play. Uh, in the I would like to add game, Can I add somebody though or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who'd I miss? All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my guy, Joe Burrow. I mean, right. Last game, he completed 28 of 37 passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar had seven catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think the Falcons will be able to stop Higgins and Chase. When Cincy gets hot on offense, we ride that wave. When they were playing the right way, they're an extremely explosive team, and I think Sarah, I think Cincy carries that momentum from the Saints game and starts to become one of those powerhouse teams that we know they can be. Also, to me, like the Falcons just aren't as good as people think. They beat the 49ers, which we already talked about, who were beat up and played with injuries. They lost to the Rams, who have looked bad. They lost to the Bucks, even though it was a close game. But the Bucks really haven't shown anything either. They lost to the Saints. And, I mean, they did beat the Browns, who have a good run game. But Jacoby Brissett simply isn't anything to talk about. They then beat Seattle, who really has no defense whatsoever. You know, so I, I like Joe Burrow here. I think the Falcons roll here. I, I, I really do. I like Jamar Chase. I like T. Higgins. I like Cincy's offense. Listen, if Joe Burrow shows up to the stadium wearing another one of his receiver's jerseys, like, just, you, you play Joe Burrow and that receiver. You're just like, give me them both. Because um, he showed up there, <laughs> he wore Jamar Chase's jersey the last game, and, and it just absolutely popped off. I think he was the quarterback one, and Chase was the wide receiver one on the week. The only reason, Willie, I did not mention Joe, Joe Burrow right now was because I mentioned him on Tuesday on the Spend Ups show as he's the guy that the DFS optimizers are giving out. So... Your eyes are correct because he's actually going to be the most played quarterback on the DFS slate this week. He is definitely, definitely, definitely an option. I was just not considering him a budget option for this week. Let's move okay, on to thanks. running backs. Yeah. Um, we are going to start this conversation off with everyone under Joe Mixon. And the first name that I see that I really like is Josh Jacobs. Willie, you talked about that and how he's been absolutely crushing it the last few weeks. The Texans rank 32nd against the fantasy running backs. Love playing Josh Jacobs. Pretty sure he's going to be core for me. He has given out on all of the DFS optimizers. Definitely a chalk play this week that's going to be in a lot of lineups. But absolutely love Josh Jacobs. Next name I'm seeing is Brees Hall. Uh, we know, like Willie said, Zach Wilson threw 14 pass attempts last game. That's not enough. That means his running backs are getting the ball at extremely high volume. Brees Hall has a price tag of 6200 right now, but his volume is of the likes of people who are, you know, 7000 7500 He is significantly underpriced. However, that game is a points total at 39.5. It's sharp towards the under. They are playing in mile high against a great defense. So the, the game situation is not great. But the volume is just significantly, significantly underpriced. And I think that's a direction we absolutely have to look. Uh, so Willie, you a, said question for, a question for you really quickly. Are, do yeah. you think a lot of teams are going to have Brees Hall on their team? Because for me, it's like I, if I don't know that much about football, I think Denver. Unbelievable defense, right? I actually don't think their run defense is that good. I think their pass defense is very good. I think their defense overall is awesome, 100%. But... I feel like Brees Hall could be a sneaky, almost a sneaky play here, just because I'm not, but you tell me, I don't know. I think at that Maybe price not. tag, Willie, I think he's going to be really pretty commonly owned. I, that doesn't mean okay. I'm avoiding it. I might play right on into it because if he's going to get the ball 20 times, like he has the last two games, if he's going to get 20 plus opportunities, then he should be priced at least $1,000 higher. So... There's clear value there, and I think enough people will catch on to that. He's not a name coming in the optimizer lineups that I'm seeing right now. It's a lot of Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon. Um, but I do think by the end of the week that can change, and I do think that uh, Brees Hall is definitely a name that could be around. I mean, people also might pivot from Josh Jacobs to Brees since they're in the same price range. Uh, Willie, yeah, you mentioned... Sense. You mentioned Zeke and his overprop. I love Zeke this week in DFS. He is going against the Lions, who rank 31st against fantasy running backs. He costs only $6,000. He has averaged 17 opportunities per game. Dak Prescott is coming back. 
The Dallas Cowboys are favored by a touchdown, one of the biggest point spreads on the board this week. I think Zeke, potential guy to get, you know, 80 yards, two touchdowns, 100 yards and a touchdown. Zeke, potentially dangerous week for that man. He might be feasting and eating his cereal in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, when when you think about Zeke, right, I mean, first of all, over 50.5 rushing yards, but when I think about Zeke this year, I think to myself, two touchdowns, not winning many fantasy leagues, and Tony Pollard being heavily involved. What went under my radar is how consistent Zeke's actually been on the ground this year. There's been one game this series at less than 50 yards, and he's going up against Detroit this week, who has let up 126 yards to the Eagles running backs, 124 yards to a combination of Dalvin and Madison, a total of 180 yards to Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, and got smoked for 172 yards against the Patriots' backfield. I am taking Zeke's over here. So, Willie, how surprised would you be if you saw the box score Sunday night and Zeke has 26 carries this week? I would not be surprised. That's why he's a great play at $6,000. Going down the list, Melvin Gordon, hell no. Hell no, hell no. Uh, James Robinson, I would stay off that. Even though me and Willie like the Jaguars, I think you can go to James Robinson in a tournament play, but we saw ETN get the start and get the first two drives last week. We don't really know how that split is going to look. Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, definitely a good value option, 5,800, going against the Chargers defense, which has not been good against the run. They're having some injuries that they're dealing with up front. Uh, Walker showed last week. Uh, I said avoid him last week. I was dead wrong in saying that because I thought they would get both DJ Dallas and Kenneth Walker involved since Walker's a rookie. This guy's a stud. Like, his little shake and bake moves, and, like, he was He's a really, really good at football. Like, you don't have to have football eyes to see it like that guy's got the juice and if you want to play into that because he's going to get 20 touches in a game that has a point total of 51 and a half I think that's an absolutely great play um scrolling down the list Brian Robinson Jr. going against the Green Bay Packers we are seeing money come in on the commanders uh Brian Robinson got 17 touches last game now he gets 10 days rest because he was on the Thursday so they're on a rest advantage against the Packers you could go with that, 5,500. I'm going to keep scrolling down. Latavius Murray, I don't think he's going to be starting again for Denver, but he got 15 touches, and now they go against the Jets. If the Denver Broncos end up on the goal line, trust me, Latavius Murray is getting the ball, not Melvin Gordon and his fumble issues. Um, that is all I'm really seeing. I don't really see any great value, super cheap running backs. I think we're going to be playing maybe a high-priced Fournette and a Josh Jacobs or a Brees Hall or a Zeke or maybe two guys in that middle-tier bunch. Yeah, let's move on to wide receiver. Yeah, would... um, okay, starting at 7,000 and working my way down, Mike Evans, first name on the list. Definite stack with Tom Brady. I think that's a great option going against the Carolina Panthers. That game should be a joke. We should see three-quarters of Mike Evans that could generate two touchdowns. Uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, he is a guy that's definitely given out by all the optimizers this week. He's got like 19 projected points by one of the advanced stats websites that I show, showing 2.8 times his price tag to his point ratio. I think C.D. Lamb is definitely an option going against Detroit. Like we talked about, Dallas getting Dak back and being favorited by seven and that game being sharp towards the over. C.D. is an absolutely great play. Keenan Allen, avoid because he's injured. Uh, Godwin, stack him with Brady. Go for it. I'm going to keep scrolling down the list. Brandon Cooks. Willie, you got any thoughts on Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Cooks, like the last three weeks, he's not been putting up a lot of points. But what I will say is Houston is coming off a bye, and he does see a lot of targets. Brandon Cooks sees a lot of targets, and I think it's just a matter of time until he I think he's very undervalued honestly I think you could plug in Brandon Cooks and I think he could give you a solid 12 to 15 points this week he sees the volume he sees the targets and and I actually don't mind him I also think Willie that makes a lot of sense with like a the way that we were playing the Raiders minus seven if the Raiders are winning and they put the Texans into a pass game script the whole game and that game also total opened at 45 and a half it's moved up to 47 and a half so we're seeing over money and Raiders money for that game. That means if you want to back a Houston Texans receiver, that's absolutely the spot to do it in. And if you're going to go with like a DFS tournament lineup, like a GPP tournament lineup, and you want to play Derek Carr 
Devontae Adams and a reverse stack of Brandon Cooks and just hope that game has over 50 points scored in it and you're just eating points from all of the players, that is a great low-owned stack and reverse stack that I think you can like potentially win a tournament win. I, I, I'm going to be putting in a Carr, Devontae, and Brandon Cooks lineup, not in a cash game in DFS, but in a tournament game um, where you need to place in like the top 10% because if that pops off, that's how you get into that spot. Working down from uh, Brandon Cooks, IU coming off his two-touchdown game. I wouldn't chase that, even though he's going against the Chiefs. That's a good matchup. Uh, Robert Woods, even though he's been trash, uh, we know Traylon Burks is now injured for Tennessee, so we could go with like one of the only healthy bodies left. Curtis Samuel is still getting a ridiculous amount of target share each week. You can look to that against Green Bay. Michael Gallup, if Dak is back, he's got that Dak rapport. Romeo Dobbs, if uh, you want to find a value option for the Packers, if you want to say this is a get-right spot for the Packers, I want to play into that for DFS, you're not going to pay up for Aaron Jones and get the most expensive player in an offense that's been faltering. You want to find some value, go with Romeo Dobbs. I see Josh Palmer is questionable in concussion protocol. I also mentioned Keenan Allen was going to be out. Willie... You know what that makes me think? I said I was going to be playing Justin Herbert in my cash lineups. I will be. That makes me very <laughs> more likely to play a dart throw in a guy like DeAndre Carter. I, I means I'm more likely to play a Mike Williams, and I'm more likely to play a DeAndre Carter for DFS. Thoughts on DeAndre Carter? Um, interesting. How is? Do you know how DeAndre Carter's done the, the past couple weeks or no? I think he had like eight receptions last game. Oh well, if that's the case, then. Yeah, I, I'm I'm for DeAndre Carter. I think he could um I think he could do well in that spot for sure. No, he had he had only had, he had five targets, but but I do think that Herbert will definitely look his way if Palmer and uh, Keenan Allen are out and in a game that has a point total of fifty one and a half and a receiver that yeah. costs three thousand and seven hundred dollars that's simply going to be on the field for the whole thing. Love doing that. That would be a direction that I definitely look. Um Willie, yeah. I'm going to read a few a few wide receivers that are in the same like bunch and tier right here. Tell me if any of these names stick out to you. I'm just a little confused by some of these who've got, gotten some love in some other areas like season-long fantasy, but I don't know if we want to play any of them for DFS. Okay. Um, they include Alec Pierce on the Colts, Duvernay, mm-hmm. Duvernay on the uh, uh, Ravens, Wandale Robinson being like the only healthy receiver for the Giants. <laughs> the Giants. And um, Zay Jones being the target hog that he is for the for the Jaguars. Could you see yourself playing any of those like really low value options in DFS? Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Wandell Robinson, I'm not gonna play because I need more data points. He's had one game, and I, I'm just not gonna play him. Um, who who are the other two that you mentioned again? Alec Alec Pierce Duvernay. Yeah, Alec Pierce. By the way, is legit. I mean, he's good. Like he's tall dude. I mean, he's, he's going next to Pittman. Like Matt Ryan had a ridiculous game last week, and like I've obviously I've been watching the Colts like pretty religiously. Like he's like good, and I think there's definitely a world where he could. I mean, for that cheap, he could give you um solid volume and and get you a, a decent amount of points. So I actually don't mind him at all. Um, yeah, his last three weeks are 12 points, 16.1, 14 points. So I think he's definitely a guy that we could look to. He's got out of all of them. I'm with him for sure. Yeah. 4,600 price tag, super cheap going against the Titans who rank 31st in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So a great matchup for him. Again, if you, if you do know that Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry are playing in the same game, you don't necessarily want to throw a wide receiver from that game into your lineup. But if you could find a value option like a guy who's 4600 bucks, that is something that could be doable and a little off script from some of your opponents that could really work out. He's gone, like I said, over a dozen points in three straight games. And Matt Ryan and the Colts seemingly look like they're riding the ship a little bit. Really, let's, let's discuss tight ends, all right? Now, on the last episode, I only talked about Kelsey and Mark Andrews because I felt like it was a sin to discuss any other tight ends. <laughs> So we are starting at Darren Waller and working down. Waller, I refuse to ever play because I think he has the yips and he's constantly hurt. Uh, Kittle, I also avoid because you never know if he's going to be on the sideline for half the game. This is a week where I'm really looking to some budget, budget tight ends. I like Njoku 
if he's going to get, uh, you know, Cleveland is plus six and a half against the, the Ravens. If the Ravens come out and win, they force Jacoby Brissett to get behind the eight ball and, and throw a little more. Jacoby throws to his tight end a lot. Robert Tunyon, I think, is an option. He had like 10 receptions last game. Um, going against the Commanders, Green Bay absolutely has to win. Clearly, Rodgers trusts that guy. He's a touchdown machine too, and now he's getting the targets to match up to it. And then Gerald Everett, again, if Keenan Allen's out, if Josh Palmer's out, if this game is 51 and a half in its total, absolutely love Gerald Everett this week. That's really a direction I'm looking. Let's and then not the forget other- that Seattle, Seattle also has given up the most fantasy points to tight ends this season. So let's not forget that with Gerald Everett because Keenan Allen is out. If he is going to be out, then I actually I do like him in that spot. You're right. Uh, I'm seeing it right here. Seattle 32nd ranked defense against tight end, dead last in the NFL. So really like the Kate Otten play. I think Cameron, I mean, I really like the Gerald Everett play. Kate Otten is the next guy that I want to talk about because if this is a get right spot for Brady, if Cameron Brait, who was like, the report from last game was Cameron Brait's neck is not broken. Now, I don't think that means Cameron Brait is going to play this week. Um, I'm, I'm glad his neck is not broken, but I don't think we're going to see him on a football field on Sunday. So, uh, Kate Otten is probably going to be the starting tight end. We know Brady loves to feature his tight ends. And if that's a potential get right spot, $2,700. I can see myself even playing a double tight end lineup this week with Everett and Kate Otten because Kate Otten is so freaking cheap that you might even want to slide him into the uh, tight end role. Willie, are there any tight ends that I did not mention that you think I should mention? Yeah, I mean, just just for entertainment purposes, I di- it's funny to talk about Evan Ingram. He's too expensive, in my opinion, because if you're going to throw a dart, you might as well throw a dart on someone less expensive. But he is coming back and playing the Giants. And, I mean, two games ago against Houston, he had 10 game. targets. Against the Colts, he had six targets. He's had 40-plus yards two two weeks in a row. I, I'm not saying Evan Ingram's going to be your guy, but I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm looking out for him. But who I am choosing this week is Greg Dulcich. He got two of three targets for 44 yards and one touchdown in the Broncos' week six loss to the Chargers. He played 71% of snaps last game and caught Russell Wilson's lone touchdown pass and additionally was targeted in the end zone a second time later in the game. Denver also seems to be fine departing ways with Albert O. There have been a, a lot of trade circulations going around, and I do think Greg should be seeing the field a lot more moving forward. If you're not going to go with a tight end like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, you might as well obviously right buy low on a tight end, someone who has upside and can score a touchdown. And I actually like Greg Dulcich in this position to score a touchdown against the Jets. And so that is who I am going to be looking at this week. Greg Dulcich is $2,500. Like you really can't get much cheaper. That is the bare minimum price for any tight end. I'm looking at it and like tight ends on IR also cost 2,500. And you're right, Willie, he's going to get 70 plus percent of the snaps. Uh, He was laying down some hammer blocks. I know everyone wants to talk about the touchdown that he caught. He was also laying down the hammer on some blocks that I saw. So that's how you stay on the field. If you can catch the ball and block, like Albert, Albert O is, is, is done for on this team. I think they call him Albert O. No, he's, he's trash. He's just not it. So I, I really like the Dolce's play. I, I actually might even prefer that to Kate Otten. I like, I like both of them a lot. Are there any budget defenses that you think we need to talk about? I want to quickly check who the optimizer defense is. I'm seeing Titans, Dolphins, Titans and Dolphins. If I check four optimizer lineups, three of them have the Titans. One of them has the Dolphins. So that would be the direction that I would look for cheap defenses. Um, otherwise, again... If you want to go with the Jets against Russ, that would be the only spot that I would go. That's a really another cheap defense going against a pretty bad offense. Can you go Denver versus the Jets, or because what is what's Denver's sure. price looking like? Yeah, no, Denver's three thousand three hundred. I, I assume every every defense is relatively cheap, so I don't mind yeah. spending up for defenses. It might cause a you know you if you spend up for Denver, you might have to go with like. Uh, you know, Brees Hall instead of Josh Jacobs or Zeke instead of Josh Jacobs in one of those spots, which is totally fine. Actually, you wouldn't go Brees Hall and Denver defense because they're playing against each other. So that one wouldn't work. You'd go with Zeke and Denver defense. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we just went through all the positions, the entire betting card. Thank you for joining me today. I think that wraps us up here. Anything else you want to add or are we good to go? Thank you for having me. And as always, peace out.